Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Bible app, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We started a series a few weeks ago called The Devil's Trap. I want to continue along those lines today. I think it'll be very, very helpful to all of us to recognize how this works so we can stay out of it. Ephesians chapter 4, notice with me here in verse 26, Paul writes to this church, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So apparently from this verse, if the devil has place in someone's life, it's because they gave it to him. So we are assigned, we are tasked with this, to give or to not give place to the devil. Obviously, recommendation, don't. (laughs) Don't give place to the devil. So how would I know if I have? How would I know if I have given place to the devil? Well, you can recognize his presence because there's a lot of destruction going on. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the devourer. He's the accuser. He's one who attacks. He's one who comes after you again and again and again and again. Health problems would be, would be in, indicative of that. All right? If there's constant strife in the home, that's the presence of the devil. All right? I don't mean we don't have anything to say about it. We do, and that's why we're talking. And I don't mean we have, to, we have to yield to any of these things. But, you know, you can have, there can be a lot of health problems. There can be, you know, relational problems, even mental and emotional issues. But what is that? Well, that's the devil having access to a person. That's not the presence of God. We recognize that. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of pain. When you get close to God, oh, it hurts. No, no in His presence, there's joy. And there's, right, there's life. And there's, that's who he is. He's the author of life, not of death. And so when these things are transpiring, we don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out the author of it. Huh? The devil has gotten access somehow, but good news is it's up to us. We can keep him out. We can shut the door on this stuff. And if you've experienced much hardship in your past, good news, it's about to change. Huh? It doesn't have to continue down that path. The Lord is leading and guiding and directing us out of all of that junk. Let me remind you of two other translations of this verse. I think they're very enlightening. Uh, Verse 27, Amplified Bible, Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. That's good. And then the ERV reads, Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Well, in other words, he what? He wants to defeat you. Don't give him a way to do it. Don't give him an opportunity to do it. He wants to defeat you. Don't let him. That's up to you. Now, find with me, if you would, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew, the 7th chapter. And let's go a little bit further with this. Uh, we, We were reading this passage last week, and I think it deserves a little bit more attention. There's more we can glean from it and take from it today. Matthew chapter 7. Notice with me over here in verse 1, Jesus speaking. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. Why should I not judge? So I won't be judged. Verse 2, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. 
and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Has anybody done any judging this week? <laughs> just asking. I mean, I'm not saying you have, just wondering. And, uh, <laughs> well, uh, again, I'm not putting anything on you, but unfortunately, probably a bunch of us have. Because it can be so ingrained into our thinking that before you know it, you're doing things and you don't even realize you are. And you, you could become very critical and judgmental of other people, uh, throwing them, you know, like we say, judge, jury, and executioner of someone without it because it's just been a, become a habit. It's become normal. If you recognize it, you're way ahead. You recognize it, you can, you can stop. You can change that pattern and, and, and quit doing it. Uh, but if we don't even see that we're doing it, or if we're doing it and we're calling it something else, you know, like we said, I'm not judging. You know, I'm just saying. You know, I, 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 and we do all kinds of, we don't want to call it that because, oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. That would be bad. But we really are. And, and it's one of the ways the enemy is getting access into people's lives. Uh, if, if I measure out no judgment, according to Jesus here, no judgment's going to come back to me. And the devil will not have access to get into my life. That sounds appealing to me. Okay? Very, very appealing. I want to know how to keep him out. Let's go on and read some more here. Verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First, remove the plank that is in your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. It's amazing how, we, how many times we would water this down or just tweak the meaning of it and, or just disapply it to our own lifestyle in this regard where we'll say, you know, the Lord has really given me a, a, an ability to identify wrongdoing in other people. Uh, and they'll call it discernment. They'll call it. They'll even call it a gift. And what it really is is hypocrisy. It's an individual not dealing with their own business, and because of that, they're dealing with other people's business. And they're, amen. And, and and so Jesus isn't just saying this because he doesn't have anything to talk about. This stuff is very real, and it's very critical to our living a victorious life. Uh, but he said, first, remove the plank. This is not saying that we can never help someone else out who's got speck issues. You might be able to help people with their specks, but you need to deal with your plankage. <laughs> and until we deal with plankage, we have no business dealing with speckage. <laughs> right? That's the order here. I think it would be ideal if we could help a brother out when they got something in their eye. But we don't qualify to do that, and we find ourselves in the judgment category unless we're looking in the mirror, unless we're taking care of business in our own life. And when you do, you typically, you're more likely to be merciful when dealing with others. Why? I've been there. Man, 
man, I've struggled with things myself, and I've acknowledged it. I, man, I was dealing with that, and the Lord helped me in this area, and I got free. And how many know you, when you minister to someone from that position, you're much kinder. You're much more merciful, and that's what we're looking for here. Not to, be, not to spread judgment around, but to spread, spread mercy around. We all need it. But here often what we want is we want mercy, but we want to dish out judgment. I can't believe they would treat me like that. I can't believe they're so hard on me. Well, have we been to others? Amen. And so, uh, he said, don't judge. Judge not, lest you be judged. You know, if you think about it, uh, one of the very common criticisms, I'm not saying it's altogether right, but one of the common criticisms of the body of Christ, of the church, from those on the outside is they will, sometimes individuals will say, I don't want to be a part of the church. I don't want to participate with Christianity because uh, there are, the church is so full of hypocrites. So you've heard that. We, we, we've all, we can almost fill in the blank. We've heard that. They're so full of hypocrites. Now, in, I would first of all respond in defense of the church because this is the Lord's body and say, you think there's hypocrites in here but not out there? Just a thought. <laughs> the world is full of, pe- of people who are hypocritical. No, no question about that. Um, uh, secondly, I would say, I don't think that response is going to fly on Judgment Day. Right. Lord, I didn't serve you. Lord, I didn't give my life to you. And that's because I know someone else and they were one of your kids and they said one thing and did something else and so I stayed away because of them. That's just not going to go over real well. How many know no matter what someone else does, we all stand before the Lord personally and are responsible for the light that we have. Um, and, and so uh, they're saying that, and on the other side of this then, I don't want to feed into it. I think the church ought to be known. We ought to have a reputation for being the most merciful, not the most judgmental. And, and, that's the, and that's the language Jesus used towards the judging person. He said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. He said, you're a hypocrite. We should not be, I think we all know this, hypocritical. All right? We should not fall into that category. Let's not feed into that narrative. It's not the case. Let's not help it. Let's not give anyone any, uh, any ammo for this fire against us, for this, these shots against us. Praise the Lord. You all are really quiet today. I'll start preaching better. Uh, <laughs> you remember that we are not qualified to judge others for a couple reasons. The first one is this, is that we have all sinned. That's, we all have the plank issue ourselves until we deal with that. But we have all sinned. So a sinner, a, I know we're not sinner by nature if you're born again, but one who has committed sin does not qualify to be the judge of someone else. But of course God does. Uh, uh, secondly, we said uh, we don't qualify because we don't know what that other person knows. I don't know what they know. I might know what they did. I might be able to observe or even, you know, hear what they said and say, you did this, and that can be accurate, but I don't know what was happening inside. I don't know what they know. That is a really big deal to God, and that makes a huge difference. Uh, James chapter 4 and verse 17 it reads this way, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
What do you mean to him it is sin? That almost sounds subjective. To him it is sin, but to someone else it's not. Do you see that in that verse? To him who knows. Does it matter what a person knows? Big time. When I know better and then violate that, that is much more serious than if I didn't know. And that's again why we don't qualify. See, God knows our hearts. He knows the motive behind what we're doing. We very often do not know the motive behind what someone else is doing. People are making judgments all day long based solely upon what they see people do. How many know there's two parts to, what, uh, to all of our behaviors? There's what we do, and then there's why we did it. Do both of them matter? Say, no, it only matters what people do. Not true. Not true with the Lord. A person's intentions, a person's heart, their level of revelation really does make a difference when they stand before God. What they know, and, or what they did, and why they did it. It matters even for good things. I mean, we're in, we're in a church service today, gathering together with the family of God, and that's good. Does why we're here make a difference? So I'm not sure. It really does. It makes a difference to the Lord. It makes a difference in what's going to happen in your life while being here. Some will benefit greatly, some not so much. Because the inside, I'm not making that judgment. I don't know. I can look at you. Everyone looks like they're happy and glad to be here and whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, have a right heart to receive from God and worship Him. But I don't know what's going on. You know that. I don't qualify to judge you in that regard. Or anyone in, in, in relationship to what I don't know, I don't see. Sometimes there's a statement people will make. They say, well, well sin is sin. Sin is sin. It's all the same. Sin is just sin. I don't think that's correct. I don't know that verse. I've looked. I can't find that verse. Sin is sin. Meaning one person does it in one situation. Another person does the same act in another situation. It's exactly equal. Not. Not sin is sin. I think this is correct, though. Uh, right is right. And wrong is wrong. Good is good. And evil is evil. But sin is at least to some degree relative to what a person knows. The consequences, the, the activity that opens a door to the devil is somewhat contingent upon what they knew they were doing when they did it. Food for thought, huh? But sometimes we just jump to conclusions and not recognizing that motives are really a big deal to God. Now, other ditch, this doesn't mean we can't call a spade a spade. This doesn't mean that we cannot identify sinfulness and just say, you know what, that is wrong. This is right, that is wrong. We should be able to judge in that regard all day long. We should be wise, we should be growing in our discernment and understanding, and we, we, we see what is, what is wrong. This is one of the traps of our culture today. No one wants to call any kind of behavior wrong. Well, you just got to stay. And they would put that in the category of judging a person, but I, 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 I would not put it that way. Okay, I, I should be able to separate and say, this behavior, this action is contrary to God, contrary to His Word, period. I can do that without getting into the motive and the heart of the person who's involved in it. And, and, and that's the difference. I should be able to call black, black, white, white. Huh? 
and be able to make judgments in that that regard, but we often miss it in the backstory. You know, if, for example, in our culture today, uh, concerning sexual activity, if you touch it with a ten-foot pole, somehow you're judgmental. If you if you embrace, you know, if you don't embrace all types of whatever someone wants to have sex with, you know, and if you at all say no, this is right and this is wrong, then you're considered, uh, you know, evil or you know, judgmental or some or something like that. But no, no, I can see right from wrong because the same word that told me about God's love for me and Jesus on the cross and salvation and healing and all the promises that sustain me also tell me how to live. Also tell me how to conduct myself and give me the parameters which with which I'm supposed to live my life in. To to ignore that is just that's a that's a deceit. Okay, I want to stay with the Word. I want to stay with the Lord. But what I don't know, see, here's that area again. What I don't know by observing someone else's wrongdoing is what's happening in their heart. I don't know what they know. I don't know what they've gone through. I don't. I may not know about the abuse, for example. I don't know that someone has been abused. I don't know what they have gone. I don't know what has ravaged them inside. And so I can't make the connection to how they're responding to that, how they're living it out on the outside. I just can't see it all to make an accurate, full judgment of the situation. And I'm telling you, that is part of it. It is part of it, what people have gone through. Uh, You know... Do you know what happened when you observed this person doing something wrong? Do you know that after you turned away or after they were finished doing that wrong thing, do you know what they did next? So what do you mean by that? I mean, how do you know they didn't hit their knees and call on the Lord for help? Have you ever? I mean, have you ever done something wrong and you knew it and you got done you thought, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that, man. I'm, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. And you made things right with God. And someone may have observed the, fir- observed the first part of your action but not the second and so they'll totally misjudge you. And see, and when we look at others and, and we only see the wrong behavior, we don't know what they're doing and what they're dealing with before God and I think that's a factor uh, let's take let's take a subject for example divorce many people are aware of the verse in the Bible that says God hates divorce and is that true does he hate divorce he does that's a scripture that's the way God thinks he doesn't want it doesn't like it that's not that's not his plan but you think in an individual's life, in a specific situation, there could be more to the story? I tell you, I've know, I know of a few stories. And I most certainly can't all lump them all together and call them, one, call them one and the same. Now, I've seen some individuals, and I thought, you know what? You ran, you should have stayed. You, you jumped out, you know, you should have stuck it out, and you should have done this, and you, you could have made this work. I've seen situations like that, you know, based upon what, what they've told me and so forth. And I've seen other situations where, you know, people separate, people divorce, and no one else knew 
the hell that that person lived in for years and how they and their prayer life and how they did and how much they forgave and and finally these things happened and others might cast judgment on them and say well you couldn't make it work they don't know they don't know how much they did I just think it's I just think it would be wrong for me to just step in there assuming I know everything when how many know 99% of the time we don't know everything there's just more to it and and so I just kind of enjoy health and stuff you know what I mean why don't you just keep your mouth shut and enjoy your health I don't mean to be rude in saying that but uh, you know if you've got money to pay your bills isn't that kind of cool I mean if you are or have been in a situation where you didn't that stinks so how do you how are you relating that to all this discussion I'm talking about the devil getting in I'm talking about him getting access to pound people and if I can learn to stay out of business people's business in some of these areas unless I'm there to help huh then I'm going to save myself all kinds of problems because the enemy is looking for a door. He's looking for a way in. He's, tr- he's sneaking around trying to get me involved in different things because as soon as I do, I'm giving place to him. It's his activity. It's his work. He now has basis to accuse me. And he's right. So I can keep that closed. Someone said, I'll just, I'll just resist the devil. This is resisting the devil. When someone tries to get me involved in their judgment of someone else and they start railing on someone else's life and their behavior and then want me to chime in, when I say, oh, and change the subject, when they, when they say, what do you think? And I said, nothing. What, do I, what did I just do? I resisted the devil. Resisting the devil and taking authority over the devil is not just about... I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I cast you out in Jesus' name. That certainly is part of it. But there's another part that says, I'm not going to yield to your thoughts. I'm not going to yield to the temptation to be a certain way, which again gives him access to our lives. We don't just resist the consequence of sin. We resist, with authority of Jesus, we resist the sin itself. So I'm going to stand against that, that, that sickness. Fine, but why don't you stand against the stupid activity that you were involved with that opened the door to cause it to come? Just a thought. Now, let me take this a little bit further. There's a verse over in second, uh, or actually 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can turn there or you can, I'll put it on the screen for you. It's in 1 Corinthians 2, and this is very enlightening to me, and I've seen this more in recent months, uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15, it reads this way, but he who is spiritual judges all things. That means a spiritual person has great discernment. It's not saying they're judging everybody, but they see things clearly. A carnal person is fleshly. A spiritual person is, they have accurate discerning Um, insights into all things yet he himself who's he himself that's the spiritual person is rightly judged by no one and so what happens here 
is there is a temptation that comes constantly for us to judge other individuals. One of those temptations is to judge spiritual people. You don't, you don't understand what I mean by spiritual. spiritual. Spiritual people has to do with maturity. They're not fleshy and carnal, and you can read the whole chapters around there to, to find that answer. Uh, but there's someone who is his spiritual is more mature. When people judge them, what happens? They get it wrong. You ever find yourself tempted to judge a spiritual person? You will be wrong. You will think it's one way, but in reality, it's another way. You won't get it right. You won't get the judgment right. That's that's powerful. Uh, You ever tempted to to speak against? Now, this might sound self-serving. I'm just teaching you the principles here. Because honestly, I've been in ministry for a while. I can handle it. Are you tempted to speak against a spiritual leader, a pastor, that kind of stuff? Watch out. It's, I'm telling you, and again, this, you could take this wrong, but I believe this is true. It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. One, you're going to get it wrong. Well, I know this pastor, and they did Stop. You will get it wrong. You will be wrong about it. The scripture says it. You're going to get it wrong. And you're going to open up the door to the devil. It's, it's really serious business. Here's one of the things I've, uh, I, I saw a few months ago. Uh, the Bible tells us over in James chapter 3 not, that not many of us should become teachers. And the reason for that, he said, because teachers will endure a more strict judgment. He says, if you're given a place of authority where you're speaking into people's lives, you're held accountable for that. That's a really big deal that you have the potential to lead people astray. And so there is a more strict judgment. And anyone who wants to teach and speak and minister and do those things, be aware. Okay, that's part, that's part of the deal. But here's the other side. The Lord also, because of that reality, gives protection to those individuals and there is something that surrounds them that makes it more dangerous for others to attack meaning it's opening a bigger door for the enemy to get into people's lives you might, you might be aware of the, the account in Numbers chapter I think it's the 12th chapter of Numbers where Israel came through the Red Sea and they, they got out of Egypt, were heading to the Promised Land. They came through the Red Sea. And there's a, a, an account there of some interpersonal relationships between Moses and Aaron and Miriam. All right? Now, what happened there was Moses married this, this woman from Ethiopia. There was, there's no commentary about it. There's no indication that he didn't go through pre-marriage counseling. Uh, he just... <laughs> It just doesn't give us any details. Just Moses married the Ethiopian woman. But, you know, Aaron and Miriam didn't like it. They had a problem with it. And they started speaking against Moses. And if you'll read the story, it did not go well. God called them out. He got into their business. How dare you speak against Moses? He's the most humble guy on the face of the earth, yada, yada, yada. And the Lord dealt with them very serious. And the end of that was Miriam walked out of that thing with leprosy. I mean, judgment came. 
She walked out with leprosy. Moses ended up praying for her. The Lord said, put her out of the camp for seven days. And then she, so she was out for seven days. She came back and she was healed. And, and, but it was, it was a real inter- interesting situation. And I thought about that one day. With all the people in Israel, there might have been three million people. Weren't others saying some things they shouldn't say? Weren't, wasn't there anybody else? that was speaking against their neighbor and talking about other people and they didn't get leprosy what's the deal here I think it's in relationship to the position that Moses occupied and Moses was called as their leader and he stood before God had a, hey, he had a more strict judgment on himself for being in that, in that position and when someone came against him uh oh. Now Aaron also had a call on his life, and he was the, the priesthood there, and maybe that was the reason. Other why he didn't get that, I'm not totally sure. It doesn't it doesn't flesh this out completely? Other than it didn't happen to him, and it did happen to her. But God's an accurate judge; He knows the heart and knows the whole situation. So he, it, it was right. But I see situations like I think people they, they don't realize what they're doing and how it's opening the door up for bad things to happen and if it doesn't happen that was a quick one happened right away people know that was bad I should probably repent (laughs) but when it happens over you know sometime later or slowly people become oblivious to the fact that they're the ones that opened the door they're the ones that gave place to the devil hallelujah got real quiet on me on that one turn over with me to James chapter 4 We'll finish up over here today. James, the fourth chapter. See, this language is, you see it throughout Scripture, and I know sometimes in, in discerning, if you're a student of the Word, you definitely recognize that there's a difference between the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the Acts of the Apostles or the post-resurrection books the Acts and then the epistles, the letters to the churches, you definitely recognize that we're in a different covenant and so sometimes even the the messages that Jesus taught, sometimes they apply to all of us outright sometimes they were specific to the Jews under the law Um, and in discerning that you, you know there's some things to be understood and I know individuals say well you know this whole talk about judgment wasn't Jesus judged for us on the cross Absolutely, he was. Thank God he was. All of our sins were placed upon him. He bore the curse. He was judged so we wouldn't have to be judged. Right? Do you know what he was also? He also bore the power, the weight, the guilt of sin. And I've seen some Christians still in sin. He also bore all sickness and disease and curse and every mental issue. I don't know if you've ever run into a Christian with a physical problem. What's my point? What's my point? Things are born, things are taken, things were paid for on the cross by Jesus. They still must be appropriated in our lives. Everything that Jesus did was so that we wouldn't have to un- un- undergo, undergo it. Is that, is that the right way of saying that? Uh, we wouldn't have to endure it. We wouldn't have to go through it. We still have to apply it. There is the application of all that Jesus provided on the cross. Amen. Some say all our sins are forgiven. They're all forgiven, past, present, and future. Well, the price has been paid for all of our sins to be forgiven. You still have to receive that. You have to receive the gifts of God. They're not just dumped on you. James chapter 4, James chapter 4, verse number 11. Look at this. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. 
You know what that means? I looked at this real close. And I've concluded that it means this. Do not speak evil of one another, (laughs) brethren. I think that's pretty plain. I just don't know how else to say that in this regard. How can I keep this door closed? How can I keep myself out of the devil's trap? I've got to put a guard on my own mouth. I've got to have my mind open to seeing things through eyes of mercy and grace so that I go... So I stop myself from violating these laws of the kingdom. He said, just simply, don't do it. Don't speak evil about people. Is what you're about to say concerning that individual positive, uplifting? Is it, incur- is it helpful? Is it merciful? Or is it judgment? Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. You can see how they go together. So I'm not judging. I'm just speaking. That's the same thing. Uh, judges his brother, speaks evil of the law, and judges the law. Now, that's talking about the law of liberty there from the book of James. It's, it's love. Not talking about Moses' law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? And that's the question the Lord would ask of us. Remember the verse we read last time. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Here, who are you to judge another? What should be our answer? Not me, that's not my job. Nope, that's not my calling. That's not my assignment. I've got plank issues, and I'm working. (laughs) I'm going to be taking care of business there. After that's taken care of, if I can mercifully help someone with speck issues, Lord, I'll I'll do what I can, but I'm going to be merciful towards them. I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to be judgmental. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of the Father towards all of us. We've got to let that come through. And when we don't, we're opening up avenues for the enemy to get in. There are two ways that we can keep judgment out of our own lives. You know what they are? Number one, it's this. I'll give you the verse, but number one is don't judge others. And number two, judge yourself. Don't judge others, but do judge yourself yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 31 reads, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We're all called to judge, aren't we? Ourselves. It's the only way we can be accurate. We we can do it uh, with precision and get it right and not be yielding to the devil in doing so. You want to avoid judgment. All right, let's do it. Get out your mirror. And this is not about heaping condemnation on yourself. Some individuals, they think, yeah, I've blown it. Man, I'm a dirty rascal. Yeah, felt good coming to church, but now, huh. <laughs> Here, there, <laughs> there are two things we should always say regarding ourselves and our own failings. Two things. Don't just do number one. Here's number one. Number one is we admit it. No excuse. 
I'm not trying to hide it, cover it, make excuse for it, justify it. Well, I wouldn't have, you know, like King David when he had his failure, and he immediately tried to hide it and cover it and do all this rigmarole to try to get away with it. You don't get away with things with God. Even if you do hide it from a person, you, you live with you. You know, ever notice that whenever you wake up in the morning? There you are. Ah! <laughs> And so what do you want? A good conscience before God. You want everything clear. You want to be able to pray and worship without like, Lord, I don't want you to look over here. Don't notice this. The way to deal with things is be honest, be open, uh, admit things, but then, because if you stop there, man, I feel like a rascal. Man, I just fail. I just fail every time. Just... I just can't ever seem to get victory. Don't stop there. The second thing we should all do in response to things we've done wrong, sins we've committed, is say, but Jesus shed his blood for it. That's the answer. I receive forgiveness. Yes, I did it. But yes, I'm forgiven. Yes, I I failed. I'm not making any excuses. But Jesus' blood was shed for me. And Father, I receive your mercy, your grace. I receive that cleansing flow. huh? Then we come up out of there, not feeling like a rascal, but feeling very, very thankful. Oh, God has washed my sins away. He loves me today. I'm accepted. I'm embraced. huh? This is the way the Father treats us. This is the way we should treat other people. Amen. There's more to say about that as we go. But bottom line is this keeps the devil out of people's lives. This is a huge issue. This is a big way that the enemy gets in and gets access to wreak havoc in people's lives. Yeah. There's another verse in Titus chapter 3, and it basically says, just to sum up, one part of that verse, verse 2 says, speak evil of no one. Speak evil of no one. I mean, that's kind of a full-time job right there. If we keep a guard on it, Like I said last week, look for it this week. Not just opportunities to cast judgments. Look for opportunities to repeat or give a negative opinion about anybody. See how long, see how many minutes you can go in a row without saying anything bad about anyone. Say, but it's true. Just because something's true doesn't mean you have to say it doesn't mean it's helpful to them or to you. Maybe we'll give away prizes next week. I don't know. (laughs) Who went 14 minutes? (laughs) Did anybody get an hour? Anybody (laughs) went a whole hour without saying anything evil about anyone? I know I may be exaggerating, but, you know, my concern is maybe I'm not. And if we'll recognize this, I tell you, the Lord's merciful to us even in this. But if we own it, then the blood washes it away. And we own it, and the blood washes it away. And we, we create this atmosphere, this environment of mercy. Not where we're like, hey, we can do anything and get away with anything there because there's, we're, they're so non-judgmental. That's not what it really does to the heart. When we, we show each other mercy, I think it empowers us to get victory too. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts.
We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you.